0: Yeah. Hello and welcome to the Street Press Podcast. My name is Sean Fraser. If this is your first time here, this podcast is all about the music industry. Those who live and breathe and live in the scene, whether it's musicians, whether it's band managers, whether it's people working in front of a house, behind the stage, uh, even if they're snapping photos or writing for magazines, we get them on the Street Press Podcast. Uh, episodes drop every Wednesday and uh, we've done that pretty consistently for over a year now episode 60 today incredible hope your weekend was well on Saturday I ended up at the kiss concert at a course stadium in Sydney incredible geez they don't know how to put on a show and um, and just before they went on stage, Weezer played, and I was equally as excited to see Weezer in action. I was really, really pumped, actually, to go out there and, and catch them live. And uh, it was funny, actually, standing there watching Weezer. They're playing Island in the Sun. Obviously, their big hit. Uh, it might have been a number one, Once Upon a Time. Uh, anyways, so I thought everyone knew this song, right? Apparently not. When you're standing in a crowd of Kiss fans, this guy comes up to me and he goes, Hey, this band's all right. What's their name? And I'm like, it's Weezer. And then he goes, this song's good too, pretty catchy. And I was like, what? How, does he, how do you not know this song? But I did look around and uh, looked like there were some people that were equally as stumped as him. It's funny. You think everyone knows a song. Not all the time. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, it was a great night. Uh, fantastic seeing Paul Stanley you know gliding along at the uh, Flying Fox and the fireworks it's a hell of a show it's not just you know good music that they're playing but a hell of a performance and it's their last time in Australia so if you missed them um You might have to fly somewhere else to go and see him, unfortunately. (laughs) All right, on the show today we have Will Wagner, who is the singer-songwriter of the Smith Street Band. They're a punk band from Melbourne. They formed in 2010, and I'll tell you what, they got off to a cracking start. It was only a year or two in... And they dropped Young Drunk, which was uh, one of their singles, and it blew up. It was all over Triple J at the time. I I think they're still playing it these days. Uh, And it wasn't just a a one-hit wonder for the band. They've produced so many good songs, so much good material, and plenty of records ever since then. We bring Will on. It's such a – I'm glad that he was able to jump on the podcast because he's got to be one of the most busy men in Australia at the moment. He got married. He's expecting a baby any day now, his little baby girl. Like, seriously, at the time of recording the intro to this podcast, the baby could be on its way. Who knows? And his AFL team Collingwood won the grand final. So that's the three, the little trio there that he will probably never forget uh, ever again. So at the time of recording this podcast, it was actually... Uh, It it was a couple of weeks ago, so we are still talking about the Collingwood AFL Grand Final coming up, but if you have been following the AFL, they won the Grand Final, so congrats, Will. Uh, We chat about a few things today, obviously all of that life stuff, but I pick his brain about the studio in the wilderness, so the band got their money together, and instead of saving up for studio time and whatnot, they just kept saving, and bought their own studio. So they own a studio in the wilderness in Victoria. It is so sick. And you know, if you've listened to a few of these episodes that I've done, I always quiz people about their studios and what they've got at home. And I tell you what, it's hard to beat this one. It is a phenomenal place. And they've recorded a couple of records there already. Uh, Will spent the majority of the time in lockdown in a studio, which I'm so jealous about. Uh, We talk about... The band touring the regions, playing at the Cambo for the last time. If you're someone who lives in New South Wales, you've been up to Newcastle, um, Smith Street Band were one of the last people to ever jump on that stage. They did a big farewell show there. And we also talk about mental health. He is a—he's an advocate, Will, really. I mean, he's always talking about it. He's had his own struggles himself. And every time there's like a microphone or a camera in front of him, he's always willing to speak out about it. And I sort of thank him for that because there are a lot of people that sort of keep it, uh, keep it inside, keep those demons locked away. And we all know that if you speak about things, you do start to feel better. So uh, let's bring him on. This is Will Wagner, the singer-songwriter for the Smith Street Band.
1: Well, can you hear me, mate? I can hear you. Can you hear me?
0: Yes, that's my life. Perfect. All all I ever do is ask people if they can hear me. Can can you hear me?
1: <laughs> I can. That is by far the quickest this has ever worked for me. You'd think after three years of Zoom, you would have figured it out by now. But... <laughs> and
0: you've got a mic as well. I love look. Yeah. I love people with the mics.
1: <laughs> well, I am arguably a professional musician, so you'd hope I'd have something.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's good, man.
1: What's happening today? Not much. Let me just get rid of my um, video of myself so I don't stare at it uh cool um no nothing just uh took my little nephew to the park and had breakfast with him which was very fun and now yeah just chilling out
0: unreal love those hey before we even start talking music is there congratulations in order are you yeah are you about to be a dad
1: i am yeah um a month from now yeah (laughs) holy
0: shit man how are you feeling
1: um i feel really excited i like I feel nervous and anxious about everything I do in my life, except this. For some reason, really? this just feels this just feels right. Yeah, I really can't wait. I can't even imagine what it feels like. No, well, we um we got engaged and then a week later found out we were pregnant. So, <laughs> uh, well, I'm actually getting married. Uh, I've got I'm gonna watch Collingwood hopefully win the grand final on Saturday, and then I'm getting married the weekend after, and potentially going into labour the weekend after that. Holy so I've got a fair shit. bit
0: coming up. <laughs> That's a hectic uh, hectic month ahead for you. Yeah,
1: I know. I know. That's unreal. Where are you getting married? Uh, just this place in Melbourne called the Ulta Electric. It's like yep. a sort of Elvis Vegas kind of themed, sort of cool chapel-y kind of place. It, it'll be really fun. Be really, really, really
0: fun. Nice. I got married three weeks ago.
1: Oh, no way. Congratulations.
0: Yeah, that was <laughs> awesome. It, it's funny. You hear all these cliches all the time. Hey, they're like, oh, make sure you take it all in. You know, the day goes so quick. Yeah. Uh Totally true. It was, it was, and it is. It's one of those things. Like you look at your your wedding list and you see all these names that are coming, and you're like, apart from a gig, this is the best guest list (laughs) I could ever have. It's just amazing having. You look out and you see all those people that you love, and it truly is the best
1: day. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I can't wait. I can't wait. Yeah, it's sort of like yeah, because we we had like a week of talking about weddings and then yeah, found out we were pregnant and it kind of got pushed to the side a little bit. (laughs) Um, so it's almost been like a month ago. We just sort of thought like, Oh, let's just get married and have our families there. And nice. that's very quick, grown and grown and grown to now it's going to be sort of 80 ish people. And just like, you know, by the time we've invited, we've both got big families and you know, big friendship groups and stuff. So yeah, by the time we'd said, Oh, if, you know, if he's coming, I want her to come too. And then it's like, oh, fuck, we've got 150 people or
0: whatever. It on just this starts list. growing and yeah, growing, doesn't yeah, it?
1: Yeah, oh. which is so nice. Like, yeah. But yeah, so yeah, big month coming up for me.
0: <laughs> do you know what you're having?
1: Yeah, we're having a girl. Oh,
0: unreal. Yeah, yeah. A lot of my mates that have ha- had girls change them
1: all in the best way ever. Yeah, <laughs> They sort of
0: freak out like, oh, I probably know what to do with a
1: boy, but a girl. Well, strangely, my my uh, soon-to-be wife, test was a bit like rattled by having a girl well, i was just like I uh, i really was happy with with a healthy baby you know what i mean um but she for whatever reason was a bit like a bit rattled by it and now not not in a negative way or anything but now we're just yeah we're totally embracing it and both uh her two of her sisters have kids and my sister has kids and they're all boys so for the grandparents it's the first girl grandparent so we've got like just out of shot here is like a leaning tower of boxes of clothes from my mom and stuff like we've got, our daughter's got more clothes than like both me and my partner combined kind of thing already. (laughs) Just like, I think mom's Instagram algorithm has clued on pretty quick that anything cute and girly for a little kid, she's going to buy. So every time I see her, there's another box of things and stuff like that. (laughs) But just like little one-year-old girl's clothes are like painfully cute. So I'm I'm totally with her. Like I I get it. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Tiny, tiny clothes, man. I, uh, you've been requested to by a few people that have listened to this podcast to sort of where's Will? Where's Will? That yeah. kind of thing. And I was like, and then eventually I went, Where is Will? Yeah. And I'm so glad. I'm so glad that you're able to jump on. I remember, let's rewind back. I was, might have been 2012, 2011. I'm driving around. I was actually driving around in a radio car because I was giving out the free shit. And, uh-huh. um, you're not allowed to do this when you're in the car, but, I flicked to Triple J just to have a little. Wow, you know. <laughs> wow! But yeah, I was driving in between gigs, and I was like, oh, "I'll just, I'll just flick over," and I heard this song, "Young Drunk," mm-hmm. and <laughs> um, and I was like, "Oh wow, this is different." And and I hadn't really heard of the band, and I hadn't heard this song, and sort of have just kept tabs on you guys ever since. And so have my friends. And after that song was released, w- what sort of changed for you guys?
1: A lot, yeah, yeah. That was like we were sort of we organized a tour before that song came out and then uh like we'd all we were playing on like floors and you know like really kind of small shows and then all of a sudden like it went from 50 people to a couple of hundred at those shows and we were pretty we were pretty freaked out by it. like none of us were really (laughs) expecting that you know what I mean but um yeah that like I I sort of can't believe how much how many doors just that one song has kind of opened for us and Mm. even after we first released it that was like the first time we've ever had really any like attention and i sat down to write the next record and just wrote like young drunk two young drunk three young drunk right. Four. i just tried to like rewrite that song and wound up writing and basically scrapping an entire album because it just didn't sound it sounded like i was just trying to rewrite the one thing that people had liked thus far kind of thing right. um so it definitely took a bit of kind of getting used to uh but i still remember that just because there's a bit in the chorus of that song where I still like back away from the mic and the crowd sings it. And like doing that for the first, I've got goosebumps on my arms just thinking about like doing that for the first time and doing it a few weeks ago for the thousandth time. It's still a moment that I just feel like honored that people are still like seeing that back at me. You know what I mean? It's yeah. I feel so lucky.
0: Because there was a wheel that was writing songs long ago and no one was singing back. Right? Yeah. (laughs) So, so that's why it gives you goosebumps. You must you must think about those times. Maybe you're in a bedroom plugging away at songs. And look, it may not be the thing that you were after when you started writing songs. Oh, I want everyone to sing my songs back to me. But incredible that it that it ends up happening. And then you look at something like when you guys played Splendour in the Grass and stuff, and the crowd is just enormous. And they're, and, and they're all singing back those words to you. Like, do you, you must just, when you do stand back and let them sing, you must think, what the fuck is going
1: on? Yeah, it's still like... It, it, you, you can probably see my face light up over the zoom call. Like it still <laughs> just doesn't, it, it's a bit like, I remember that maybe the last time we were in New York and I was talking to a friend who lived there and we were driving on the Queens expressway or whatever it is like past the city. And I said to him, I was like, you've lived here your whole life. Do you ever get sick of that? He's like, no, no, it's, it's New York. Like you never get sick of New York. And I feel the same way about those crowd moments where it's like, we've, you know, we've played thousands of shows and that happens at, at most of them. And still, every time there's part of me that's like, are they going to do it? Yes, they're going to do it. And it's, <laughs> it like, it feels so, so, so good and so like gratifying, you know? And yeah, it's just a, it's a really sort of privileged position that we get to be in that I feel like people, when they sort of get into the band a bit more, they do like kind of connect with us in a way that feels quite sort of personal and quite sort of, it just feels really special. And I really feel that reflected when they're singing back at me.
0: That song and like many of your songs. All of your songs, I could almost say, very <laughs> sincere, very honest. When you write so honestly, are there songs that you've got still sitting that you're probably too scared to release?
1: Yeah, yeah, a, a bit. Like I write, I write a ton. Um, and at, at the moment, I feel like I go through waves where I'm writing lots and not writing. But at the moment, I'm, I'm like filling notebooks and it, it feels really good. But nice. a lot of the time, I, I feel like I'll be writing something and just feel like this is just for me. Like this is almost, there's never really the intention of showing it to anyone else because it, it, that's not the purpose of it. You know what I mean? Like the purpose of this is like, well, this is obviously something that's weighing on my mind or nagging in the back of my mind or whatever it is. And I've got to sit down and put it onto paper and then that's it going to be done. And then sometimes I write something and just think, Oh my God, I can't wait to play this with people. And hopefully they learn the words to it. You know what I mean? But, it's mainly like an unreleased hip-hop project that I'll never show to anyone because it's just so embarrassing really? <laughs> but, yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's cool I, I never picked that no I'm a big I'm a big hip-hop fan and it's not for any like it's not offensive or it may be offensive to your ears but um <laughs> I yeah I love writing rap music and even listening to beats and just like almost freestyling into my phone over them and stuff and that is purely just like oh my god if someone ever finds it hard drive of my hip-hop records i'll be very very embarrassed
0: <laughs> <laughs> definitely after hearing you speak just then, i get the sense that you'd still be doing this even if there was no one in the crowd
1: yeah yeah absolutely i i started writing when i was a little kid and i'll i'll do it forever it's uh very important for like my mental health and my mental well-being and it's just i'm sure there are other songwriters that you've had on the show or spoken to in general where it's just like it's just part of who you are like if mm. someone if you're out to dinner and someone says something clever, you pull your phone out yeah. and write it down and go, I'm going to, I'll be having that. Like, it's just an automatic thought. It's not even a, a thing you feel like you need to sit down and do. It's just like, it's part of sort of how you exist in in the world, you know?
0: 100%. You, it's, you are speaking my language. It's like, sort of like, <laughs> get up in the morning, have breakfast, uh, you know, have lunch. If a thought comes, like you have to put this in the songwriting or the recording or the guitar playing. It has to fit in, in your schedule. And some people that don't, some people don't get it. You know, some people are like, no. oh, why you got to run off and play the guitar? It's like,
1: it's hit me. Yeah. I'm, I'm having the thing. I like, I can't think about anything else. And I'm sure people feel the same way about uh, running or whatever. Like, I'm sure there are things like that where it's just like, when I get the urge, I have to go and to go and do it. But yeah, for, for people like us, it's it's writing songs. It's therapy, isn't it? A hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely.
0: You've always been open, very open about your mental health for quite some time too. You've sort of, there's been a camera in your face or someone's been interviewing you, you've been talking about it. And I want to thank you for that because (laughs) there are a lot of people that just say in a position of yours where, you know, an audience is keen to hear what you've got to say, that you address these issues and you talk about these things. Is that something that you've, you've always wanted to do? It makes you feel better talking about these things publicly?
1: Mm, I guess so. I mean, I f- it, it almost feels a bit automatic for me as well, the same as the writing. But it's just, again, like I probably started writing songs when I was 12 and started seeing a psychologist when I was 12. Like mm. uh, it's always been something that I've been aware I needed help with and I've struggled with. And I've had, you know, different diagnoses and stuff as I've grown older. But I find it natural. Like I've, I think I'm very lucky with how I've been raised and my friends and stuff growing up that like we were never sort of people who hid our feelings and never people who you know like blokey don't talk about you know like that kind of sort of macho attitude was just never one that I was ever really around I guess so to me I've just always and also I get as much out of it as I think anyone else does because it's almost like it's laying the table for who I am or setting the table for who I am a little bit that's like if I can get that out in the open and we ha- almost have this agreement that like I'm not the most the world's most stable human being like uh i find that that's just kind of helpful as i go through life almost but i do like you know i try and make an effort to talk to people after shows as as when i'm when when my my brain and my schedule allow it (laughs) um and so much of the time it is people coming up and talking to me about that and yeah it's like yeah it's it's the same as a singing along thing like we're so it's such a privilege that you're this and like people always come up and give you too much credit. I feel like, like, you know, I'm a tiny little voice. I might be something that someone listened to while they were actually doing the work on trying to sort of, you know, go into therapy or whatever mm-hmm. it is like, yeah, you just, I just feel very lucky that I am in the position that I can hopefully say, you know, if every time I do an interview, there's one person out there that goes that I say something and it clicks with them. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, that's my, my, my job done, you know? And, I read interviews when I was younger and I feel the same way, just talking to people in general, when people like come up and want a photo or whatever, like I remember being that person and going up to people. And I remember how much it meant when they were nice to me. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> and absolutely. It's, it's really easy. Like you, you just, people come up and they're nervous and you give them a hug or shake their hand and have a photo with them and chat to them for a minute and smile. And, and just, you just have to be present and be nice. And it means so much to people. Yeah. 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 Like, it's just, you have to, you have to do that. And it feels good for you. It's like, people often say like, Oh, you know, I'll go outside after a show and chat for an hour to people. And people will say like, Oh, you're giving so much time. That's it. It's like, no, no, I've stood here and been like complimented for an hour. Like this, this is, this rocks. Like no <laughs> one's coming up and like, so the last record, I was like, people just come up and say nice stuff. Like it's 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 great. It's fun. You
0: always you always sort of remember, don't you? Like those moments as a child when you somehow got the guts to go up to one of your favorite singers or whatever and just go, "Hey!" And then they look back and they stare at you and they say hello back, and you're like, "Yeah, oh my god, oh, fuck, like
1: you're real." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're a real person.
0: Yeah, yeah, you're
1: not just like a voice in my head. Like yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. It's beautiful. Hey, the uh, last, obviously, couple of years of the pandemic and stuff and taking everyone off stage, and I don't want this to be the pandemic podcast, no, that's but okay. <laughs> it's one of those things where like, it always sort of gets brought up. Um, how did you maneuver through that? All of a sudden, someone comes, taps you on the shoulder and says, hey, mate, everything's out the window for who knows how long. Yeah. Good luck with it all. Um, I'll see you on the other side. How did you get through that?
1: Well, we we were on tour when it happened. Um, we had a couple of weeks left of a, a run we were doing. And I was I felt really lucky. I was living we own a sort of a property with a recording studio yes. out like a couple of hours out of Melbourne, where I was living up until about a year ago. And um I was out there for the whole pandemic. So I had the studio, I had space, I had the forest to walk in. And leading up to that, we kind of been on tour for the better part of 10 years. So it kind of came at quite a good time for me because we we I sort of got to rest and recuperate a little bit and like that's obviously very selfish but um yeah I I really felt like that time I was really really lucky like I still I wasn't in an apartment in the city and feeling trapped and like I mm-hmm. still had the beautiful natural world to walk in and I wouldn't see a soul and um I could still write and I could still sort of be creative and I you know watched a lot of movies and like it definitely got long like you know it was a good couple of months and then it was like okay I'm ready to go and get back on stage But yeah um (laughs) I think it's like we're back to as normal as we'll be now but those first sort of few shows back always were like pretty strange and you sort of Mm. it's hard to know what's was sort of like is this irresponsible to be encouraging people to be here or like do people really need like there was a lot to kind of weigh up and are
0: we doing the wrong thing the
1: right thing I know and like we did some seated shows at the end of the seated shows people would kind of naturally like when we played like a song by called Death to the Lads people would kind of naturally stand up and I was always in two minds during it where I was like do I say come down the front and join us or like is that going to mean a hundred of you all get coped like was, yeah, will I get arrested yeah yeah it's just going to be like a super spreader event like you know you sort of yeah it was a lot of like not being not quite sure what to do and just You know, then going back to those first standing shows, it felt like people just weren't used to being in crowded rooms. Like, you sort of got the feeling from like, even you just felt this energy from the crowd where you felt like everyone was a little bit like, oh, I don't, I know it's okay, but I don't want to bump shoulders with someone right now because I haven't for 18 months. Like, (laughs) yeah, it sort of was a strange kind of getting back to normal kind of period. But I think now we're sort of as back to normal as we will will probably be, you know what I mean? Like it is probably going to leave some lingering scars on everyone, but I really feel for like kids, you know, like I've got a lot of cousins who are sort of in their late teens, early twenties. And so many of them were like their 18th, 19th and 20th Mm, birthdays were COVID. And it's like, those are the years where you, you learn who you are and you learn how to go out and you learn how to drink and you learn not that, you know.
0: No, that's right. I was about to, I was about to say that.
1: Yeah. 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 Like, a a friend of mine who manages a venue said that they kicked more people out in like the month after opening after COVID than in the like few years before. People can't handle their alcohol. No one knew how to drink. Yeah. 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 And no one knew. That's Yeah. No one knew how to be in those enclosed spaces, you know? So I really feel for people like that, where it's like, oh, your first two years of uni, where you're supposed to be like going out every night and hooking up with people and getting your heart broken and falling (laughs) in love and like, going to shows and doing whatever, like they were just kind of stuck inside. So I feel for those people a lot.
0: I was at a gig on Saturday and I saw the, the circle pit open up and everyone smashing each into each other. Yeah. And I was like, oh, we're back. <laughs> yeah, I thought the same thing. I went to
1: see JPEG Mafia on Monday night at, at 4. And was like, I was like, oh my God, I'm the oldest fucking person here. It was me (laughs) and one other guy in like sensible shoes standing up the back (laughs) having a Diet Coke. Um, But yeah, all the kids were jumping around and moshing and circle pitting and stuff. And I was just like, okay, like they're going to be, they're going to be all right.
0: (laughs) They're going to be fine. Hey, this, um, this studio i need to know everything about this studio in the wilderness i remember seeing a video of when you guys are sort of putting it together and stuff like take me back to when you came up with the idea like it you've basically for those listening yeah it's a studio you guys built in yeah. the middle of a forest yeah and you've recorded a few of your records there
1: yeah the last How long two long albums were done there uh maybe four or five years now. Uh, another thing COVID's done is completely fucked my sense of time. Right, yeah. Like, I have no could, idea could how long ago. Years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So at some <laughs> point in the 2000s, we bought this. Studio. But, yeah, we're sort of out near Dalesford for people in Victoria. So, about right. an hour and a half out of Melbourne. And you build it from from scratch, right? I shouldn't say we. I'm very much the, like, work experience kid <laughs> lifting heavy stuff. Like, uh, yeah. our drummer, Matt, and bass player Fitzy both have a bit more sort of oh, – some expertise in that area. And we had some, 50s dad was a builder. We had some like help from people, but essentially we, it's a big property out in the middle of nowhere. It's uh, completely off grid. So solar panels, um, nice. tank water and just gas tanks. And yeah, it was just an old motorbike shed that we extended out, soundproofed and, and baffled and all this stuff. And then built sort of a control room and a big live room and an amp isolation room and a vocal booth for me and yeah we've made two albums there and recorded a bunch of other stuff there and yeah it's 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 amazing it's it's, it's an amazing place
0: so is it on a friend of a friend's property or did you just buy this place
1: yeah no we, we bought it was like a cheap property because it's in the middle of nowhere and yeah. off grid so we, we originally were looking at maybe getting like a warehouse space or something in melbourne like our last two albums we'd recorded in houses one was was a studio with a a house with a sort of studio in it, and the one before was just a holiday house that we rented and set up a studio in ourselves. So we sort of had a bit of experience doing that. And the idea of living where you're recording just was so was really important for us. Like it just felt like like the place we recorded our album more scared of you than you are of me, which was like was in this beach house in this near San Francisco, and it was like, amazing experience and like incredible like we would never spend that we, we recorded it was more expensive to make that record than to build a, our own fucking studio <laughs> um but it was like we well, only get to do that once like it was such an amazing experience but just being out somewhere isolated uh living where you're recording it just meant that you eat and sleep and breathe the thing you're working on and you wake up in the morning and if you have an idea over breakfast within five minutes you can do it mm. and we have a bonfire every night at the studio. And if you have an idea at midnight, you can go in and record it. Like it just meant that you can always be, I don't know, you're always there. You're always thinking about what you're doing. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a really, really special place and we'll, we'll, we'll keep using it for a while. And originally our idea was to set it up as a studio and rent it out to other people or make other bands records there and stuff. And then as soon as we had all of our stuff in there, mic'd up and ready, we were like, I don't want anyone else covered in here." Like this is, <laughs> <laughs> this just feels like our, our permanent kind of home, you know? So it, everyone's got their little corner of the room and I've got my little booth and it's just like, you yeah. know, we've got our own art on the wall and we've got our own. It's just like, do you get out there much? Yeah. 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 We, we, we rehearse out there. We, cause it's a house in the middle of nowhere. we kind of constant, the roof, uh, partially caved in because of a tree hitting it so yeah we're kind of out there a fair bit fixing stuff up and stuff but yeah we're sort of learning a bit about plastering and all these things that we're probably not doing an incredibly good job of but I'm purely there sweeping up and getting food and stuff like I'm not I'm not that handy it's so
0: awesome Uh, and I encourage anyone listening to go and uh, have a look at it some of the photos it's just so inspiring and it's like you know it's
1: it's every muso's dream I think what you got there a hundred percent yeah and like yeah, living there during COVID particularly just felt like, yeah, I couldn't have picked a better place to be stuck for a few months, you know what I mean? Um, yeah, yeah. And maybe eventually we'll have other bands out to record there, but maybe you've got to use our you know exact cymbals and snares and my vocal mic and stuff because none of us want to unplug anything. Yeah, of course. Once it's set
0: up, <laughs> I can leave it.
1: I know, yeah, okay.
0: yeah, yeah. Life After Football was your um last year's release, right? Um, And how's that yeah. been received with, uh, geez, the time's flowing. I'm sitting here thinking I know, it was like yeah. a, a couple of months ago.
1: <laughs> Could be a year old now, actually, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but with COVID years, maybe five. Um, yeah, exactly. How, how has that been received? Uh, obviously, you toured just a couple of months ago. You did the regions instead of the cities, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. So we've done both throughout this year. Like When the album came out, we did a capital city tour, and then we try and sort of do a big regional run at least like once a year, if we can, um, particularly now it feels like maybe during COVID all those regional areas grew and grew and grew. And, um, you know, there's big like between Sydney and Brisbane, say there's five or six shows there that it didn't feel like there were shows there a few years ago. So particularly, you know, cause we are basically only like, we're going to go back to Europe next year, but, um, we kind of only really touring in Australia and, we need, you need more shows than Melbourne, Sydney, Brisbane, Adelaide and Perth. Like, so yeah, we try and get up to Northern territory and play Darwin and Alice and um, yeah, try and get all the way up the East coast and go up to North Queensland and stuff like, yeah.
0: How do the crowds compare? Let's, let's put the city folk against the regional folk.
1: I love the regional folk because it feels like particularly in like Melbourne and Sydney. And like, this is not, I I love playing in Melbourne and Sydney too, but it feels like when you get to places where you haven't been before, you haven't been that recently, there's people are really appreciative of you making the effort to to come there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I I feel like there's an extra level of like, what are you guys doing in Gosford? You know yeah. what I mean? Which is which is awesome. Like, and then we, you know, a lot of those shows are on the coast and like those beautiful drives and we swim a lot and that kind of stuff. So I like doing that. But then it might just be recency bias because that's a tool we just finished and um, you know, I love play. I love, I love, I love playing. I'll, I'll play anywhere.
0: <laughs> I live just up the road from Gosford, not too far. I remember hearing about the Gosford show and
1: how, how yeah. good it was. I think it was midweek. Yeah, it was like a Wednesday night at yeah. Drift Drifters Wharf. Drifters it's Wharf. Called? Yeah, and like what a fucking amazing venue. Yeah, like, right there on the water. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and like even that was like we didn't really know what to expect, and then that was a like an awesome big crowd and this awesome venue, and they fed us and get us drunk and it was like yeah we'll come back here once or twice a year this is this is perfect like one of the bigger shows we played recently was in newcastle for like the cl- sh- closing down of the ah, the, cambo. Um, the cambo yeah and like that felt like playing a you know felt like playing laneway or something in melbourne like there are people in all these places that want music you know what i mean and i think thanks to things like triple j like they want you to come and and if you know it, things are like promoted properly and stuff and it yeah. feels like there is this extra level of enthusiasm there like i encourage any bands and artists to to go and do it like don't limit yourself to just the capital cities like australia is a big place and even if the shows aren't great like how good like go up to cairns and even the show yeah. might be a dud but you're in fucking
0: absolutely i was talking to um uh, Mark Gable, Choir Boys, you know, run to paradise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and he was telling me back in the day, Newcastle, Cambridge, right? He would say, if you could play at the Cambridge and survive and no one threw anything at you and everyone had a great time, you could fucking play anywhere in the world. That's how tough it used to be at the Cambridge.
1: That, yeah, that's not hugely surprising. Like, yeah, yeah. We've had some we've had some tough shows in Newcastle, but also some it's one of my favorite places to play. Like Yeah, but
0: when yeah. you guys played at the cameo, it was it went
1: off. Oh, like that, that I I'm gonna miss that pub a lot. That was such a fun place to play. Um uh, annoyingly, like the night we we played the last night of that like three day festival thing they did, or maybe the middle night. And It was like a big outdoor stage. So it was like all of our last time going to the Cambo and none of us set foot in the Cambo because we were on the other stage. So that felt a bit like, oh, fuck, I should have actually gone into the Cambo and had a beer rather (laughs) than like, but they put us all up in this hotel opposite. So it was like a lot of, the whole ground floor of the hotel was all the band's dressing rooms and we had a bunch of other friends playing that day and stuff. So that was a, it was a very fun night, but. We all wake up the next morning like, did you go to the Cambo? It's like, no, nah, no, nah, I didn't. Did you go? It's like, no, nah, no, nah, I didn't. Like, should we go <laughs> no. by and see if a cleaner will let us in just so we and can... And shut. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. One last walk on the sticky carpet.
0: <laughs> yeah, oh, I love that. I'm going to miss the sticky carpet immensely. Yeah. Um, hey, I see you always like, you know, you, you're doing Smith Street, but you're also doing... So you do a lot of acoustic stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. Keeps You're keeping
1: yourself really busy. Yeah, yeah, we try to. It, it's... Uh, yeah, I. I love doing it, like... I yeah I would play every night of the one back now. Anyone who's ever met me would be rolling their eyes at that comment. Like you're a sook. You want to do two shows? Then rest your voice. But <laughs> I would play every other night of the week if I we could. I yeah I I love it. I love playing solo too. Like it's the smaller, and I really particularly solo shows. I make an effort to as soon as I'm done, like jump off the stage, and anyone that wants a photo, or wants to chat, can come up and say good day and. I can play some new stuff and different stuff and I can be a bit more kind of spontaneous and talk a bit more a bit like, yeah, I love doing solo stuff. I'm going to do a bunch of my solo stuff over, over summer. Nice. my plan. Yeah.
0: Cause if we, if we rewind a hundred COVID years, you used to just, it used to be Will Wagner and the Smith street band, right? A
1: Very long time ago. Yeah. 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 Like a Bruce Springsteen and the E street band. They, uh, they are right. Not. There we go. <laughs> um, but we only really did like one or two tours like that. And it pretty quick just felt, Silly, like it. It didn't feel like me in a backing band. It felt like all of us together, you know. So yeah, we got we got rid of that pretty quick.
0: You got one more one more gig to go this year. It's in December. Yeah. It's it's uh, an old favourite. Uh, tell me all the about corner. this court. How many play? How many times you played there? Thirteen or something?
1: Stunning like that. Yeah, we haven't played there for for a few years, but um, yeah, we do a like a Christmas show every year in Melbourne somewhere, and yeah, this year um we lucked out and got the corner. So. I just live up the road, so it's going to be good for me. It'll be stumbling distance. <laughs> <laughs> You'll probably have to rush home after that show to the
0: daughter. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Well, that she'll be about six or seven weeks old then, wow. so she might come down to sound check with some um, baby earmuffs and stuff on and, and see how she goes. <laughs> Very cute.
0: Very cute. So that's October 21. And what about new music, uh, Smith Street, or are we all – we're just down the lane at the moment of you becoming a dad and we worry about Smith Street songs <laughs> later. Is that what's <laughs> happening?
1: Um. Well – as as we record this, um, we're about a month off our due date. So, uh, I'm writing a ton at the moment to try and get as much written before we've got a a, a little bubba here. And then, yeah, the plan we've got a, a headline to uh, March and April next year, and then hopefully uh, we're in the plan in the midst of organizing a trip to Europe after that. And then, yeah, the plan is to try and record sometime next year. I'm um, yeah, I'm writing more at the moment than I feel like I ever have. So I feel I feel really excited about this next thing we're gonna record. It might just be a little while down the way and it might get kidified between now and then. It might wind up sounding like the wiggles or something <laughs> between now.
0: <laughs> I'd love to hear a version of the Smith Street songs in the wiggles format.
1: Well, three fifths or something of us uh, parents now or impending yeah. parents. So it does feel like we're gonna to have to start doing matinee kids shows but yeah i don't know what young drunk would become if we were playing it for kids or something milk drunk maybe but
0: (laughs) (laughs) that would be unreal will thanks so
1: much for jumping on the street press podcast next time i
0: speak to you you're going to be a dad you're going to be married could even be playing at the corner hotel if i can get all the way down to melbourne to watch it yeah come down but we've had a great chat thank you so much for jumping on and opening up about your mental health and all that sort of stuff it's very important but uh it was a pleasure having a chat with you today
1: my pleasure mate thanks for having me Yeah, there he is, Will Wagner from the Smith Street
0: Band. And as of right now, still no word on whether he's had the baby yet, uh, but I will keep you posted maybe in next week's episode. Hopefully we've got some good news there. And, uh, yeah, lovely chat. Thanks, Will. Thanks so much for jumping on. It uh, It truly was a great one. And like I said at the top, he's had a cracking month. All right, it's time for this. Yay! Yes, this is the part of the show we you can ride on into the Street Press podcast. There is a link in the show links right now. And if you click on that, it is Fordley's segment. You can write me a letter and I will read it out on a future episode. Uh, Write whatever you want. You can talk about previous guests. You can talk about, um, I don't know, you can talk about how I do as an interviewer. There might be things that you hate. There might be things you like. Put it all in there. You can write anything you want, and uh, I might read it out as long as there's not too many uh, profanities, as I have said and mentioned before. Uh, There's just a few ones today. Tracy says uh, about the Peter Black episode. Obviously, we had the hard-ons on the other week. She said he is an absolute goddamn legend, that bloke. Yeah, here, here, I'm with you on that one. Liam P., he's just subscribed to the YouTube page. Thank you, Liam, for jumping on. Don't forget, we do have uh a youtube page yeah um i'm trying to get better at it but i am uploading just random snippets of episodes onto the youtube so go looking for that the street press podcast on youtube subscribe yada yada all that it just feels like i'm just (laughs) telling people what to do and i don't like to do that uh anonymous shadow Uh, is really loving the Emmy Mac episode. I'm sure that's not your name. That's just your uh, username. But uh, I'm glad that you like the Emmy Mac episode. That was really cool, that one. Uh, Emmy's a good friend of mine, and uh, it was great to have her on. And it's cool that people are going through the back catalogue. So that episode was like, I feel like it was nearly a year ago that we did that one. So it's cool that people are... Searching around, finding a few episodes of The Street Press. Thank you very much for supporting. If you want to support any more, uh, don't forget, we do have memberships available for $4 a month, which is the cost of half a schooner. You can sign on up to The Street Press. You get some discounts off merch. You get access to the members area. I've got some music marketing on there at the moment. And also, you can see a couple of the acts that I've got coming up, and you can... uh, Put in a few questions. There might be one of your favourite artists coming up. You never know. Uh, there's a few subscribers now. And uh, from time to time, we'll jump on the membership page, streetpresspodcast.com, and put a question in for an artist that's upcoming. And I'll, and I'll put it out on the show. I'll let them know what you've got to say um, once again, as long as you're not insulting, <laughs> insulting anyone. Uh, as for my band, the Ritzy Kids, we are playing at Everglades in Woi Woi, the UMI show which is pretty cool. It's great that we've been able to get on that. We're doing it with um, our friends, Lion Island, who are also a local band. But that is coming up on Saturday, the 18th of November. Get around it. It's going to be a sick night. Go to theritzykids.com if you want tickets to that show. Bit of a longer episode this week, but hey, really enjoyed this one. Um, next week, we've got someone else from the music industry on. We'd love to have your ears here. Same place, same time. All right, take it easy. Have a good week. Ta-da.